You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Forty years of this is Emeritus Rex with Rabbi Ruven Yeshua Pupko. Rabbi Pupko, I am taken like through the decades back to to where we frolic together. Here you are in Florida, right? And 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 you are actually not doing this program from Beth Israel, Beth Aaron, but you're actually we're having this conversation. Um, in sunny, which which city are you in? Hallandale Beach. Sunny Hallandale Beach. Wow, wow, it's Ghanaian in itself. Yeah. Yes, and there was a bezin here that had an emergency chalitza, and I was called in to consult. I see, I see, and the um, <laughs> <laughs> they were they they were chalitz more than just the naal though, right? There were <laughs> other items in clothing. They were machmir. <laughs> she had to be chalitz more than that. Um, well, I, I know that uh, the warmth and the energy um, is, it will definitely influence uh, your mood and your attitude. And um, look, you know, a, as we uh, enter into um, the, like this most important tkuf of the year, right? Uh, again, I'm sorry because of where your uh, Steelers are. But as we as we enter this important period of the NFL end of this season and playoffs, um, I guess what I'm thinking about is John Madden. Uh, John Madden who died yesterday. Yes. And, and I think there's more to it than that. First of all, I thought about Madden uh, and his relationship in the in the booth uh, to our, you know, sort of, I, I, I think I'm sort of, I don't think I'm Pat Summerall to you, but you're definitely the Madden of this show. There's no question about it. Oh, that. yeah? Yes. I take that the, as a compliment. Yes, yeah, 100%. I don't, I, I think I'm somewhere in between Pat Summerall and Al Michaels, probably a little bit uh, closer to Michaels than Summerall. All right, <laughs> but there, there's something about Madden that I think is worthwhile to talk about. Not just to you know, again, he was a very fine fellow, a friendly guy, but I think there's something about the Madden system of how to take something that is somewhat complex, that is detailed, and make it relatable, exciting, and interesting. Uh, if, if our rabbeim and people, educators, they could take a lesson from Madden. Um, and I think the lessons are, are important. Here's where I would start. I want to get your input on this, of course, as well. The first thing is the process is crucial, but the results need to be applauded no matter what. As Madden said, show up, be on time. He wasn't over concerned with discipline and making sure you know the players uh, adhered to the rules of the curfew he understood that students young people and he was young himself needed as a coach he, they, they needed the ability to have freedom to be inspired by him uh, but he wouldn't get into their kishkas and I think that's an important thing as you know, listen, I, you know, there's no question that both the things you just mentioned are, are, are crucial to, you know, in this appreciation of John Madden. 
In other words, people don't understand exactly the generation that he was a part of. You know, the generation that he was a part of, you know, celebrated the business-like, severe Tom Landry model, who barely broke a smile, who was business-like. And the assumption was that the normal spectator, the normal fan, could never grasp the intricacies of play calling and of X's and O's. And John Madden took that, took that which was considered beyond the reach of the novice and made it very relatable and knowable. And that's really a remarkable skill. And, uh, and that's something, you know, it, it, it is a lesson that it should be an inspiration for every educator that it is possible to take that which many consider to be boring or beyond the uh, appreciation of many and to make it very exciting and to make it, again, something that was within the reach and the grasp of everyone. And he was able to do that. He took, he took, the, he took the boring, what some people thought was boring, and made it interesting and exciting and relatable. And, and part of it is bringing unabashed enthusiasm. I think, like you say, one of the things that teachers are afraid of doing is revealing themselves, about revealing their excitement. Um, or let's say it even better. The excitement ends up being sculpted and artificial. It, it's there, but when, it, when they want to relate it to their students, they're afraid of showing them the sloppiness of, 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 of the feelings and uh, sometimes the inability to even articulate it. Madden came through with malaprops a little bit, malapropisms, but also excitement and, 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 and a way of saying, look, I don't even know how to say this, but, and that, like Madden would talk like that. And therefore people knew that he is a master of the information. But on the other hand, um, they were bowled over by his enthusiasm. And I think that is what every good teacher needs to be able to do. Um, I would add one word to that. The only word I would add to that is sincere enthusiasm. And Because I think most of the time, and I know there's evidence against what I'm going to say, but most of the time, people know what's real. And most of the time, people are smart enough to know who's authentic and who's being honest. And his passion was so clearly real and authentic that it was infectious. And that always works. There are people who try to imitate it. There are people who try to feign it. And maybe they get away with it for a while. I believe that that which is authentic is the most durable and, and, and long-lasting. And Madden's enthusiasm wasn't just palpable. It was palpably real. And it was authentic. And, and that is so important. And, and no matter whether you take political leaders or business people or, or, or sportscasters, you know, passion, real passion, authentic feeling is always appreciated, nearly always appreciated. And, and Madden certainly proved that. And, uh, and he was a very real person. And he, was, he loved the game of football. He really loved the game of football. And when you really love something, it comes across. Right. And I think part of it is also the, the his complete ignorance about anything that wasn't football. And he didn't try <laughs> many, many times we have Rabonim who, who try to venture into areas that they, they know nothing about, or they only know about is, is, you know, in some sort of, you know, uh, like I, I remember many Rosh Hashivas that would comment to me about the AIDS, uh, epidemic and and what this meant and what and, and, and as if you can 
take from your history of learning Gemarashi Teisvis and Rishonim, and now you're going to be able to give me a scientific understanding of what was no, happening No, but I, in the I, even world. something more basic, I'll tell you a funny, I mean, it's, it's funny. But, but you, you know what I'm saying? It's like Madden, oh, 100%. Madden, Madden because, was unabashedly stupid about anything that didn't have to do with football, and he let you know that. Right. But also, there's something else in yeshivas that happens. Because we're all raised on these stories of great gedolim of the past, who had brilliant insights into every facet of the human story. So when you're a young Rav and a couple comes to you with trouble in a marriage or whatever, you think somehow you're admitting defeat or your incompetence even. If you say, listen, I'm happy to hear you out, but I'm not an expert in this. I'm not a counselor. Let me find out who the good counselors are in town. Let me get back to you. I don't know how to do this. And it's sometimes very hard for younger about them. The products of a yeshiva culture that celebrates the all-knowing and all-seeing uh, Godel just, just to come and say as a rub, I don't know this. It's not my field. I have no training in it. There are Bikia. There are experts. And that's something that's not an easy transition to make from being in the yeshiva world where infallibility is, is celebrated and then you admit your own fallibility. That's not easy. But, um, the, uh, but you're right. I mean, it, it goes far beyond counseling. I mean, uh, uh, rabbinic hubris uh, expresses itself in many ways, but uh, but but Madden, you're right. He, he was relatable not just for his enthusiasm, but because of his, you know, unabashed embrace of his own, you know, uh, 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 of his own limitations. Yes, and I, and I think that also came to the fore of his love of you know his again. I, I don't know. Uh, Pat Summerall, I think, was a uh, kicker. Uh, for the Eagles. I think he was a, a place kicker. And that's what he was, a place kicker for the Eagles. I think he was. People will look it up. But, you know, you have someone who is, you know, buttoned down. Like, he's the ultimate straight man, Pat Summerall. But Madden knew he couldn't do it without Summerall. Um, and there was an appreciation of the other who was different, who was less charismatic, but set him up in a way that the conversations, I mean, they had such great conversations during games yeah. that were total blowouts. Like they would have these, like, right. the, like the game is going nowhere and, and, and somehow Summerall and Madden are able to make it work. And that to me is a testament that it isn't just a one man band. He, he was able to understand, to, to work off of his opposite number and was able to create uh, a, a, a synthesis and 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 he made Summerall better as well. I mean, Summerall, by the way, was I think he was the one of the uh, announcers on the very first uh, the AFL NFL championship game at the Super Bowl. And the idea was take a, a former jock who basically his career is finished, and he'll be able to talk to people and tell explain to people what's going on, like like on their old radio broadcast. Right. right? Okay, four four yards up the middle. Blah blah blah. Okay. But when Summerall and Madden got together, you had magic. You had like a magic of, of, of a yin and a yang. And I think that's something that also, you know, people of great talent like Madden and the rabbinic world also need to realize that, you know, that, 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 that they need to know how to work off someone else and, and give that person their significance as well. Madden used to say all the time, that he couldn't do it without Summerall. It was a big, it, it took a lot of effort for him to go to Al Michaels, who had a different style. But I think right. it's really the point that it's, it's, he's not, he is, of course, the reason why you're tuning in, but he was very gracious in 
the other part that 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 set him up the part that was more stable and buttoned down and he knew he would be uh the the yang to that yin and i think that's another great model uh for i, I think for there's something else comes to mind about madden and again this is really hard to precisely explain but madden prepared and worked hard he was the guy that for the first that watched game tape he was the first guy that did that he watched game tape he watched the, he knew the teams he was talking about <laughs> and he did the interviews on on friday and saturday with the team and the point is and this is really hard to appreciate even though he probably shared 10 percent of what he knew about that game and about that play on, on a sunday afternoon the fact that he knew the other 90% made the 10% much better. And that is true about education in general. You know, that when you're learning, you know, if you become an expert in a blot gemala and baba kama, and you try to teach that blot gemala, but that's all you know, it's not going to be as good as the guy, obviously. Who knows the mesechta and knows, you know, the seder and knows the shas. It's different. In other words, knowing more, even if you're never going to share it, informs what you do share. And Madden certainly did that. It was that his teachers who were Solvatric also, you know, I, nobody ever thought I would mention of Yosha Bear and John Madden in the same breath. As far as I know, they were not friendly. Yes, yes. However, Rav Yosha Bear did the same thing, even when he was preparing and he knew he wasn't going to give everything over. He prepared assiduously and you're right. And, and, and was you're right. He watched film. And he zeroed in on people he thought were key, who you might not have thought were key. And then he would talk to them and interview them. Uh, he brought them into the spotlight. People like, you know, offensive linemen, um, people that were not necessarily so glorious, right? You, you would, everybody knew about, okay, Bullet Bob Hayes. Okay, everyone knows about Franco Harris. Oh, everyone knows about Staubach. Oh, these are the players that are, or even Butkus. But Madden would zero in on the linemen. He would zero in on, and then using, and this is another thing, he was ahead of the loop, ahead of the wave in terms of technology, right? Again, it's true. He used the telestrator with a very, you know, he would, he would circle it in a way that it was very, um, uh, you couldn't tell sometimes because by the end of his <laughs> telestrator thing, it looked like Jack, a Jackson Pollock um, <laughs> You know, type of uh, attempt at, at, at some sort of image, but he was he was using technology. He enjoyed it, but he zeroed in on the unsung heroes. He, he and we know now how crucial offensive line is. You know the people that protect the quarterback, not not the you know the fancy safeties and 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 uh, wide receivers who oh look at that great act. He was able to emphasize the part that we you know the, we see as the cloud of dust like the people down in the trenches and, and and he was able to not only zero in in the game but he would interview them and talk to them and he would say how much he loved the grabowskis how much he loved those 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 type of you know meat and potato guys i think that that's also something that in the yeshiva world we sometimes don't appreciate that like the, the, as you know who are the, the students that get all the attention, right? It's, it's, it's the guys who, who are able to do 30 blot of Shaklavataria, the guys who are able to come to Harifas. Madden really understood how to give Hashivas to the glue that keeps the, the team together.
Maybe I'm stretching it, but I think there is something very similar. But I also want to get back, you know, as much as it's a team sport and he enforced discipline and everyone had to be punctual and everyone had to be prepared, you know, he gave them their own space. And that's also that needs to be learned in all human relations, whether, you know, in a, in a yeshiva, in a community, is that this idea that there's one way to behave and there's one personality type. And the, the idea that you allow the individuality of each player to flourish and you don't try to restrain it, you don't try to micromanage everybody. That's also a very important lesson. I mean, to, to, to insist on a collectivity and collective responsibility, but to also allow individuality to flourish. That's a challenge, and uh, it's a challenge in any arena of life. And uh, and Madden certainly was able to pull that off. Also, I'm not sure what people knew at the time or didn't know. I'm really – I don't remember well. what Everyone knew he couldn't – he was afraid of flying. But the guy suffered from panic attacks. The guy retired because he was burnt out. And, and he, he, he certainly was vulnerable. I, I'm not sure if that vulnerability came through. I'm not sure or if people were aware of it at all. But he was deeply vulnerable as a human being. I think his eccentricities became part of his appeal. And I think this is another thing we could talk about. Um, you know, there, there's, if, whether it's Rukhayim Zimmerman or Rufayma Fisher, Zuchayim Rucho just was Nifter, many of our best teachers and most exciting ones were unconventional in many ways and had things about them that were off. Like he doesn't want to get on a, a plane. The guy, his wife was a pilot, by the way. His wife, yeah. <laughs> his wife owned a plane and she flew all over the place. But he would never get on a plane. And they had to, <laughs> they had to buy him the Madden Cruiser. And he just yeah. drove because and they had to wait for him, you know, to get on from the highways. But I think part of it is also appreciating eccentricity. We, again, the Pupkos and Kivaleviches know a lot about eccentricity, I would say. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, in our family and beyond. But I think the Velt, you know, the Velt says, no, you got to be in a certain format. I think you're right. There's, there's, there's opening up to his own personal, you know, issues. But also, I think a way to look at it is we are all individuals and this Godel might have this, look, his eccentricity didn't hurt anybody. You don't understand that he's got this phobia. Leave the guy alone, right? In fact, love his eccentricities. Love him because of his eccentricities. He doesn't hurt anyone with it. And I think many, let me put it on the table. There's many wonderful Rabbeim who could be Rabbeim who didn't get jobs because Mm, what's going on? Like, like he doesn't keep his shirt tucked in. Um, he, he, you know, he has this strange thing. I, like he, he, he won't, he won't, whatever it is, uh, he, he won't wear black shoes. He has a thing. He's, he's, he's got something. He has to wear brown shoes. We know that so many in, in the yeshiva world have been dismissed because of their eccentricities. The old Gedeon from Europe, we all knew about them. All of them, they came with all their interesting, whether it was, um, you know, Rav Safsel or uh, various Iluyim that came in. And, 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 and I think what's happened since the 1970s and 80s was an insistence. And you can see this on the web pages of, all, of our alma mater. Go to the web page of Neri Yisrael and you'll see it's almost like clones. Every single Rebbe is, is a clone of the other. I, I think Madden teaches us that People have to be allowed their eccentricities, and sometimes their eccentricities even allow them to become more effective because you sort of love them. 
for it. Right. Now, listen, the, the, when we were kids, the, you know, when the, the Rush Shivas, and I don't have to go through the names, all had kind of a unique personality, or almost all of them, and, and you appreciated them for it. And they were, they, be, they were more real and relatable because of it. The, the idea of personality itself, the very notion of a personality, this has almost been erased from the yeshiva world. You, you know, you, you don't emote. You just, you're, you're, it's, it's robotic. And uh, it's as if any individuality is, is to be uh, squashed. It's, it's very, it's, it's a sad thing to see. And, well, again, you know, you, it's also reflected, of course, in the guys as well. There's, you know, look, the guys are all trying to look a certain way. They don't want to get bad shaduchim. You know, it's it, it's a it's a it's a it's a trickle down effect. Maybe this is a trickle up effect. You know, you know, I, I think I, I don't look. Madden broke the mold. I don't know. I don't know much about the um, the color commentators of today, but I think hardly any of them have the type of ways of standing out that he did. And I think I, I think we should realize that maybe the world can't go back to that. But I, I think we're missing something when we don't let our rabbeim and leaders sort of be kooks in some way. Like, you know, there was, there was a, look, Rebellia Chazan, who was the great Magid Shir in Tayyar Vidas, you know, was, was extremely idiosyncratic. He was very different. Rav Kolevsky is a kind of a bracha as well. Right. I mean, Rav Kolevsky was sort of like a John Madden in the, in, in the right. shiru, right? You know, and when I was in Mir of Yitzhak Hazrachi, there was, there was a certain uh, appeal to have someone larger than life who you know has some sort of strange minag and, and the bacham could get into it. And it wasn't, it wasn't let's say, let's, let's put it better. It wasn't considered a pagam and a kovetatayro to say that he had this type of. Right. <laughs> mean, I mean, Rabbi Hudner and Chaim Berlin. I mean, certainly had a unique personality. You know, uh, I mean, it, to the point that we today that if, if Rabbi Hudner would, you know, Bob Newhart did a great um, skit back in the '60s. You know, of of Lincoln applying for a job today, right? And how Lincoln would have been rejected in trying to get a job today. Like Abraham Lincoln, but you can imagine someone like Herb Hutner, someone like um, Yanko Drillman, right? Again, right. or or any of the, the 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 people that we see, or your brother today, oh Shalom, people would have said, hmm, you know, that like what's going on? Like you know, like I don't get it. Like he he doesn't fit the mold. You know right. what? You want someone that doesn't fit the mold. Maybe that is the way real learning happens. That's where people realize that the, the power of being taken up by an idea to the point that even your idiosyncrasies become in a way holy. <laughs> Again. And, 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 and so much is lost. And I would even go so far as to express the fear that we lose people because of it. When the individuality is erased and they, in the assistance and conformity, it ends up alienating and disenfranchising as well. Yeah, you know, again, it is true. And, and look, you, you know about, if you read stories about Velozhin, and you know that there was talk about who the Rebbitson was and what was going on. And Tziv himself was an idiosyncratic personality, despite the fact that he was a Goyen Otsum and, and he was considered one of the leaders of, of, of Klaudiusro. I, I think there has been a, uh, uh, we're, we're so media conscious and we think that everyone has to be, um, you know, uh, fit in in a aspect of that that we've overlooked. And that may be the most important, which is the turducken. 
And uh, I, I think, you know, I've never eaten a turducken. I've thought about it a lot. Uh, you know, where he took the turkey and uh, I think he started giving it as a prize, I think. For the, for the, well, we'll put it this way. Here's what it was, I think. You know, the Thanksgiving game. Right. Was at one time, it was like a very big thing that you <laughs> right. watched in football. Game. But many times the, the game was not so great and the, 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 the opponents were not so evenly matched. So Madden wanted to sort of award uh, the the team or the player who stood out with this traducan, which was a bone down. <laughs> First, you took the chicken, you boned it down, and then you stuck it into a duck, right? And then you right. stuck the duck into a turkey, and then it turned out to be this 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 thing that seemingly it came from a um, a radioactive. Uh, uh, lab right with four and like six or eight legs right and then and that would be given to the team and that's and and the team that would win would uh, you know they, there would be a scene of them like grabbing one of these pseudo drumsticks and holding it up right yeah. i mean what would lead someone to want to stick a chicken in a duck and then put that inside a turkey yeah. i mean i yeah. it would never occur to me yeah. Well, look, Bannon definitely lived large. And again, on this, we could probably say yeah, people should should diet more and they, you know, they, they, they should tone down their appetites. But I think that was part of Madden's appeal that he talked about food. He talked about, you know, how much you can enjoy uh, eating, which, of course, of course, sort of runs counter to our ascetic sensibilities in, in the rabbinic world. But, but I think it was great in terms of reaching kids where they are. You know, you know, the football players got into it because they want to, even though they're dieting in order to be in the best shape, they enjoy, you know, eating. And I think maybe we could even say on one hand, um, we shouldn't be afraid of, of being mishabeach, a good meal. You know, yeah. we shouldn't be afraid of. of no, but I think this shop is in honor of John Madden. Everyone should have a turducken for Friday night dinner. Yes, yes, and uh, yeah, it, it might be a it might be something in, 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 a, in a positive. Let's just end this by telling you that he was able to deal with one of the most ornery, difficult Jews who have, of the 20th century, and that of course was Al, Al Davis. Davis. Yes, yes. So you know, you know, it's interesting how you know you know we talk about football and uh, you know who's Jewish in football and who's but but the owners, <laughs> the owners understood that this was something that was going to take off. Al Davis, one of the founders, I guess, of the American Football League, and right. and and not only did he own the Oakland Raiders, but he also was their coach. So right. he owned them, he coached them, like he was. And and and, and Davis got a lot of uh, coaches. Uh, you know, he would go through coaches and get rid of them, and they couldn't stand it because he was always. You know, after he became general manager, he always was interfering and making the deals and not letting the coach do what he wanted. And Madden was able to deal with him, uh, yeah. to get along with him. And I think that, um, you know, Al Davis was not a self-hating Jew. No. Anyway. No. Um, and look, Al, Al Davis, by the way, his head scout was another Jewish fellow, a proud Jew, Ron Wolf. Oh, yeah. Oh, right, right. Right. Ron Wolf was a scout for Al Davis. Yeah, yeah. And, and he was one of the ones who would bring in all this incredible eclectic talent that the Raiders had. You know, I, I don't know if it was Madden or, or Davis or Wolf. 
they were willing to give people a second chance. Like, in other I, words, I think we should all uh, recognize your look. The Raiders had behemoths on their field, but I think oh, we yeah. make something positive about them. You know, we don't have to talk about Matuzak and Tatum and all these people that they brought, but they did give people a second chance. They gave yeah. people like Plunkett a second chance uh, and others, and even the, the the snake. Look, Stabler was was a Houston Oiler, I believe, right? And then Stabler was it? Yeah, no, he was a New Orleans Saint. What? No, he was from that area, but I think he was a, a Houston Oiler. Oh, it could be, yeah, yeah. And then, but he became a different when he got into the Raiders. He became like a, a whole different persona. Yeah, yeah, the snake, the snake. So I, I guess the point is, is that you don't give up on people as well, and I think that's something right. that uh, that uh, look. There's no, in many ways, the Raiders were like I said. Uh, reprehensible but in a way they were sort of like the the reclamation yeshiva project right 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 we could get this guy back you know we never know and maybe with, with a certain sense of ava uh you could take a guy who was sort of like he's a bum he's a criminal and you could put him on a team and have him work together and i think that's uh, yeah. something that i think madden probably was was crucial in creating that type of environment which i think is a, a positive thing well i know look like we say the um i'm not going to be careful on the uh, on the sunburn there it looks like looks like your your, your head is getting a little bit more uh, <laughs> it's a little more tan than, than usual i don't know you, be careful there okay the, you got right. it all right good talk to well. you. okay bye-bye thanks for joining us for another episode from the yeshiva of newark at idt podcast be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.